Welcome, everybody, to the Dayton Dynasty Podcast with my host, Jake Texara. What's up, Jake? What's up, Rem? How are you doing? Doing good. Had a week off last week. Had a lot of stuff going on with uh, with life, so it's uh, good to be back. Yeah, it's been busy on my end, for sure. I know you just had a couple weddings and, you know, a lot of stuff going on, so we're back at it. I know people have been wanting to hear a little bit of a podcast, uh, I'm Jabers, so this is for you. Text from him. I need to I need to listen to it when I do this. So his plan up Friday. So I'm I'm gonna see a lot of you people up. Get uh, listen. up there, but text and I will try. To... Yeah, definitely not doing three hours. Sorry, Josh. That's gonna be a blast though. All right, so today we're gonna do a little different. So we're. Last week, we're going to talk a little bit about the transactions that were made, the trades that were made, but the majority of today is going to be the halfway point. So for fantasy, we are nine weeks through um, with a new 17, 18-week, 17 fantasy weeks. So we're going to give us a little recap of the first half for individual players, and then we'll get through about that. Yeah, let's do it. I know... Speaking of Josh, early on, we did a little early predictions and players that were kind of overachieving, underachieving. So we kind of hinted on that. So we'll tie some of that in because we've had some players leave the top 10, some new players hop in. Um, Yeah, it's been an interesting, interesting year. I feel like every year it's crazy in fantasy and stuff. No one can predict. No one can predict anything that happens in the NFL. So, yeah, it's always fun to talk about. I think this happened which transactions are all Lyramore. He spent $95 on for a player and his best player got injured. So I think we can just roll yeah. right into talking about his team really quickly and the three moves that uh, – two moves he made and one uh, one ouch for him. So uh, you can talk a little bit more about Derek. Yeah, Derek Henry, it was reported as a Jones fracture, so that's the bone in your foot basically – He's a big guy. He's running, pushing off. It's going to be tough if one of your bones is broken. So um, timeline is like they reported like six to ten weeks. Basically, they're just doing surgery. They're just putting a little screw in that bone, holding it in place, and then waiting for that bone to heal. Um, the issue with that part of the bone is you need to let it heal because sometimes it doesn't heal correctly. So um, that's like one of the, the cautious parts about dealing with those types of injuries. But he should be fine once bone heals. Um, but it's a long recovery, unfortunately. So they haven't officially ruled him out for the season. There's talk about him coming back at some point. But next man up, Larry had to go out and get some get some new bodies because his bench was a little bit thin at RB. So he brings in Adrian Peterson, the, the ageless wonder. And then he makes a big trade for arguably one of the fantasy MVPs so far this season in James Conner. James Conner is in rushing touchdowns, which is just crazy to see. His efficiency within the red zone is the highest in the leagues. All that matters. He traded for James Conner when he was he was the hitting Edmonds. He was all the catches and some of the mid first twenty twenty two second the player who was on a contract year next year because Connor is, I believe he's 26. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure. So, 
bit of a player. And for a lot more here. And then Chase Edmonds went down, so this is looking beautiful, beautiful, beautiful for Larry for the next, I think, three to four weeks is what Edmonds' timetable is, if you know more. Yeah, Edmonds' injury, they listed as a high ankle sprain, um, but he's getting an MRI, so that confirmed that it was high injury, high ankle sprain, um, and they immediately put him on the IR. So that's three to four weeks, depending on when they put him on, what day, and the coming off of it, it just – that's more it goes down to like the league intricacies and how well he heals. Unfortunately, this is like a month long injury. We've talked about high ankle versus low ankle sprains a lot. Um, and this, this sucks for a running back. It's one of those injuries that holds you out for a long time. And unfortunately it can put you at long term, like difficulties. It's something we saw with players in the past, like Saquon, he had a high ankle um, that held him out for more than a month. So just a tough injury. And James Conner immediately steps into that workout workhorse role he was basically getting he was only on the field like a third to a half of the snaps that the uh cardinals were were running um the cardinals are just cruising eight and one so he's going to just step into that high super high efficiency workhouse workhorse role um week seven 30 percent of snaps for james connor week eight 37 percent after chase edmonds goes down he jumps up to 80% of snaps. So he's basically working as the workhorse back, a number that he hasn't hit um, at any point in the season. So one of those things, just the chips file in the right way for Larry. Yeah. He's able to make this move, and now Labulia is kicking himself because of he... two seconds or even maybe a future first. But, hey, he got the player when he could. And then same thing for Colin. So the other trade that was made was – Colin was trying to trade Darren Johnson, trying to trade him when um, both Chubb he had that one good game, and then Chubb came back last week, went crazy. Now he's on the COVID list, so Chubb's on the COVID. To be back this week from him, back to be Darren Johnson, and Colin put him on the block, and only a couple hours later, uh, Pat picked him up for a nice third round pick. Yeah, good little bye week fill in. You know he's gonna operate as the as the like workhorse there. Um, the Browns, after cutting Odell, basically went out and signed two of their linemen to long term deals, which is kind of interesting. So they're just advocating that or allocating that money differently, and they're putting that money where um, just the, into the identity of that team. Basically, anyone can stand behind that offensive line and run the ball. Well, their offensive line, every guy's signed through 2023, 2024, into 2025. So they're just building around that whole line. Um, and Jonas Johnson has showed that he can he can do it. He can produce in that role. Um, and he's probably going to do it this week. So just a good fill-in for Pap. Third-round picks, they're, they're either uh, just cash them in during the season for, like we've seen people trade for one-week fill-ins, fab, and then sometimes most of those third-round players end up get cut before the season even starts. But we've had good players get drafted in the third round, like James Conner was one, Antonio Gibson was one. Um, yeah, so who knows? It's, it's another pick for Colin, which is good, and Pat gets to add another uh, scorer onto his team. Yeah, so it's. I think it was a good trade for both teams. It was nice and low. It was fair across the board. And then other than that, Man, Bolden got picked up because the whole Patriots back. Coincidence, but never know who to play. And last week, because he did get some touches. 
So last Sunday, I watched one game, and I saw big Deonta Foreman on the field, and I liked it. So I put uh, $2 on <laughs> uh, Who else? I don't know if there was anything else. I'll, I'll, the only other big one was Adrian Peterson for $95. Yeah, who knows what what that uh, backfield is going to look like. Like you mentioned, Dante Foreman got five carries. Uh, and Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols got some work. But Adrian Peterson got the goal line work, punched in the touchdown, so it made that pickup look like it was worth it. Vintage Adrian Peterson. <laughs> 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 All right, so let's run through week eight and week nine real quick, and then we'll get into the fun. So week eight, we had some real, real low scoring. There was only, I think, half the league over 100 points, which is really, really ugly, um, with two teams not even hitting 110. So there's only three teams. So in my matchup, Colin beat me 94 to 82. Just a lot of big week from Robert Woods and a big week from AJ Brown, the guys who he wanted to do it at the beginning of. I'm excited to see Robert Woods leave his team in the next couple of weeks. I think that's going to be. Um, buyers or. I'm being fought for will be Robert Woods. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, talk about my matchup. Jabers' team didn't put up much of a fight. The matchup was basically decided at like 2 p.m. on the Sunday. Um, so it was just a good victory for me to get back into the, the win column. Um, and Jabers took the L. And then he responds immediately week nine by by beating Harris by a less than oh, a we'll, of a point. So we'll get into that one. Don't, don't you worry. Um, the premier, premier matchup of the week was this was – or no. At that point, six and one versus six and one, I believe. Pap versus Larry, and Larry just came out, didn't put up too many points, but Pap put up even less. So it was a ninety-three to seventy-six. It was just one of those slow-burning games. It was the game that Henry got injured in. Um, Cole Beasley really saved him on uh, Larry's side, and then on Pap's side, it kind of sucks to see where Mike Williams' trajectory is going. He started the year off so hot. We'll get into him a little bit. later. He's gone with six points, so he's not seeing that burn that he was seeing at the that really hurt yeah. him. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely not what he acquired him for, especially that price tag. So, kind of tough. Um, big win for Chris. Chris was the week eight leader in points 133.86. He beats up on Bouillier, and Bulls should have beaten one, two, three, four. Five teams this week, just unfortunate. He put up over 100, but he gets absolutely smacked. Uh, Chris's team just showed up big. You know, it was just one of those weeks. The Najee Booker stack <laughs> doing work. We're going to talk about this back-to-back, but Harris getting beat in a close matchup. So, 119 to Harris's 101, close matchup, but Harris... He needed Gibson. I know we've said that in a couple. Skating by at the end of the year, he's going to be an RB two, but he's just not what everybody assumed him to be. People were talking about him as a top five running back, and uh, this is one of those weeks he probably wishes he had Devonte Adams back over uh, Terry McLaurin, who only put up five points. He's just not getting. He's getting targets. He's just not getting good targets. 
Yeah, and this was a tough week. The Ravens were on bye, so Harris had to dip into the the Sam Darnold pool, and that was just just ugly. Uh, Eleven points. He didn't really have much else to go for, so he was he knew he was already kind of in a uphill battle going against Trezik and not having your starting quarterback. But Trezik seemed to show it out. I think what's a good thing to note. Um, both the Chiefs showed up. So Hill showed up, and McCole Hardman got him nine points, and Keenan Allen who kind of being overshadowed by Mike Williams the entirety of the year. Keenan Allen had a great line, 6 for 11, 77 yards and a touchdown. So Keenan Allen gets back to where he was kind of projected at during the season, and Mike Williams gets back to two, three points a game. So kind of funny to see how the, the chips fall. Yeah, Keenan's starting to catch get back to that Mike Lowe. Yeah, the Mike Williams Lowe, so... All right, we can move right into week nine now, and I want to go right back to exactly what you just said because I was so Keenan Strange was able to take down Pap, so this is going to be two straight losses for Pap, moving him back to six and three and dropping him down. He only put up 83 points this week. He Debo came back down to earth. Drivers didn't do anything, Gasecki didn't do anything, he just had this team versus Strange all the way home, and he finally got McCaffrey back. So, McCaffrey back, put up only only 106 yards. <laughs> so, for McCaffrey, that's... He's back, and so is Keenan. So, watch out for Strasic's team. Yeah, I saw a crazy stat. Like, the last, like, 20-something games that McCaffrey's played, this was the worst game, like, from a fantasy point perspective when he's not injured or leaving game injured um, and he goes over hundred yards and he's still a workhorse back. So it's just crazy to think like that's his floor. His floor is 13 points that some players like never hit in a year. So kind of cool. Kinda oh, cool I, would, him, but, I wish all yeah. my guys had that floor. That is a beautiful thing. And one other yeah. thing to talk about Strasic's team, it's healthy because he also has George Kittle back who came into his well, first game back on, on a snap count. Six for 101 and a touchdown. Yeah, I think we don't know about fully injured, fully healthy. Because Alvin Kamara did miss two days of practice this week, um, <laughs> dealing with a knee injury, which is very tough because we've seen Kamara miss time before in the past. Um, the Saints never really came out and said anything about it. He just didn't practice, didn't show up. So it was reported um, by some reporter somewhere. There's an article, just a health concern about a mild knee sprain. So it's probably just like MCL injury, maybe meniscus that he's just kind of going to deal with. It's not an operative. He's just going to kind of work through it. But that's a big blow to Shrazik's team. He doesn't have a huge uh, depth to kind of fill in. Maybe he'd be dipping back into the Mike Davis and Tevin Coleman realm, but not not super exciting. He's back, ready to go, Colin. He's back, back. All right, so that was the first matchup. You can pull a second matchup that you want to talk about. Yeah, I think I think we've seen some really low scores across all of fantasy in the past couple weeks. I know the bye weeks are tough because people are dipping into their into their benches, and we've had some pretty big injuries and players miss. But I mean, just not a lot of high scores. Like we saw, Pap would have beaten four teams this week, and he had a pretty low score. Like. Pick had a really dud week. You kind of beat him up handedly. Um, Chris's team just didn't show up. You know, it was one of those weeks that you just you just don't score a lot of points, and you just 
you know, when your guys don't score touchdowns, it's not it's nothing exciting. Devontae Adams, seven points. Chase, six points. Cooks, nine points. No one gets in the end zone, so it's tough to win. And you look across, uh, look across the aisle here, and you have Jonathan Taylor going for two touchdowns, and you have Nick Chubb going for two. So it's just it's just tough to compete when your teams get in the end zone. So that basically decides the game for you. Next saved everything that I needed that week. The two of them went off. Looking at Jamar Chase's stat line, he targets. That man is going to be a beast. I put up almost exactly my projection, which is always fun to see. I was interested to see that. And yeah, that's then we... cool. And Chris, Chris fell 50 points below his projection, yes. which just sucks. We've all been there. That's not fun. Um, so, we had Law, Derek Henry, and then James Conner puts up the most points of the week with 37. 35. His team couldn't do anything wrong this week. Um, almost everybody scored, too. He did not get in. In Higby. Oh, and Higby. Higby and, still and had Higby too. Higby. Amazing. So, yeah. Larry's team went off. Collins' team, Mahomes is struggling. That's something bad. Showing for what? your Kelsey share. shares. My running back share. Aren't scoring. Uh, crazy to see. So, Collins. Yeah, I mean, a lot of. You build your lineups around those players that you just lock them into the top premier scorers. And unfortunately, when when you have a guy like Mahomes that's struggling and the offense is struggling and they barely escape a victory over Jordan Love and the Packers, it was just they got to figure it out because right now they're kind of puttering right now. They're still the Chiefs. I still think they're a scary team. They're still going to be there in the playoffs, but it's just not – it just doesn't look good right now. And it, it scares it, – you just don't feel – as confident as you normally would with guys like Kelsey and Hill who are locked in averaging 20, 25 points a game. And Mahomes is a, is a weekly 35 up to 45 point scorer. So it's just, it's not good. It's great for Colin who wants to lose games, but it's not good for me and Trey's right now. Not good for the running backs either. Uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, he's coming back um, this week. I think I saw, so we'll see what happens with that work with that backfield. Cause who knows what, what it's going to look like. As long as there's no more, I'm okay. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Um, next matchup, we'll leave the fun one for last. Um, oh, I can't wait for that myself, one. Myself and Bulls, um, I, this is kind of interesting. Myself and Bulls, we both um, fell like 30 points short of our projection, but it was just ugly. Um, I was projected 134. I hit the 91 mark. Bulls projected for 90. And he hit the 65 mark. So just overall, just really low scores. Um, when you're just looking down the line at the squad, like Kirk Cousins had a good game, but then it's like Aaron Jones, five points, Eckler, nine, Thielen, seven. Thielen was kind of funny. He led the team in targets, but he only had six yards and a touchdown. So kind of crazy. He kind of saved his own day by just getting in the end zone. Um, you're looking across like Khalil Herbert, one point. Chase Edmonds, 0.3, left after one carry. So it's just tough to win when when you have your two starting running backs putting up 
two points combined. So kind of a dud week overall. Um, yeah, it was just nothing too exciting. I escaped with a victory, a narrow victory, not super excited with it, but a win is a win. And uh, on to the last matchup. So the whole Khalil Herbert thing was crazy to me. So Monday night football or Monday comes around and all of a sudden they say that Montgomery's playing. They're taking him off the IR. Um, I didn't hear anything about that. So if I was Bulls, which is a weird, I, I got Monday night in a couple of my leagues, not even realizing that he was ready to come back. So that was one of the weirdest, uh, weirdest little moves that I've seen, I think all year. Yeah, and one thing to know on that, he, out of every running back in the NFL, Montgomery led the NFL in snap share, which is weird. Like, he came off of IR and immediately played the most out of any running back in the NFL, which is, like, completely unheard of, especially after the Bears got really good production out of Khalil Herbert the last few weeks. Um, they just completely went right back to Montgomery, and Herbert barely saw the field. So, kind of interesting, especially because he's – I don't know. You'd think they'd want to kind of ease Montgomery back in and give Herbert some more run, but it wasn't the case. No, it was not the case. And that was game ended up being real close. So even in parts, I was thinking that I was watching a a big third down game, like a third and six. I'm like, okay, they're going to take Montgomery off the field. He was good when Montgomery was gone. Nope, Montgomery's on the field. They just did not care. It was Montgomery's game. And sorry, Herbert, but you're, uh, you're back to the bench. Wild. All right. Last matchup. This was the fun. last matchup. Monday night football. I think it was 17 points. And he had Claypool and Komet left to go. So Claypool came out pretty sure in the fourth quarter when garbage time, you knew he was going to be able to get it because at the end, the Steelers were down, needed to go downfield. They left get a field goal. Bears get the ball back. They throw a little pass. He gets a point and a half. Now Jabers is only losing by like point eight points. He's on commit. He runs like a three yard little out just to get to the sideline. Five yard. Gets the ball and Jabers ends up winning three points. It was crazy to see. I had posted. I think I was the only one awake at that time because I. Um. But. Oh, crazy, crazy, crazy matchup. Yeah, and if you look down the line, just the biggest thing here was looking at the bench. I mean, the flex spots, um, Cortland Sutton only had three points. It's looking like when Judy is back and healthy on the field, Sutton's average like points just drops by like five to six points. Without Judy, I think Sutton was averaging between like 15 and 16 points a game. With Judy, it's like nine so that's just a big a big tough spot when you're looking at that flex spot and you go down to the bench and you just see Devontae Smith with 20 points against the Chargers and the Chargers have not had a strong secondary um they were basically playing without their starting cornerbacks so that's just like one of those things that Harris is just going to look at and just kick himself over and over because maybe maybe in the same situation next week he makes the right pick and he escapes with the victory but just did not work out that way today. He just made the wrong made the wrong sit start decision and ends up with the L. Yeah, crazy game. He had some players do really well, but CeeDee Lamb, 
And that was one of the weirdest games ever. I was watching that one on my car ride up to my little wedding I went to, was getting updates. Done. Like, how does he only have 75 passing yards through like three quarters? He ended up with nine targets, only two catches for 23 yards. That was just awful. Yeah, the entire Cowboys passing offense has not been very reliable recently. I don't – the Cowboys need to get kind of just get back on track. I don't know. But the Broncos just look like they just beat up on them. Looked like the game was over in the first quarter. Um, just, I don't know. Didn't look good. Didn't look good. One of those weeks, though, it's just, it's just real sad. Harris is in a dark spot. Yeah, so – Sorry, Harris, but that's going to be two. So he started off the year, I think, 0-4, rattled off three wins, and now two straight losses. And it's not getting much easier for him. He has you this week. And pick the week after that. So I think he's going to go against the next three weeks to try to write him. Because once you get to that seventh loss, I don't know if seven and seven – I think it's going to be eight and six is going to be that threshold where there's going to be some team. One, a team at six and th- two teams at six and three, three teams at five and four. So he's in a tough spot. He's in a real tough spot and has to make some decisions coming up. Yeah, because even if he wins out, his record is eight and six. So he needs to beat a lot of good teams in a lot of these five and four teams, like myself, you, Chris. Someone needs to lose a lot of games for him to make it. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but we're on to week 10. We'll see what happens. All right. Let's talk about the year that it's been so far. So let's go through, do a little bit of what you and Jabers have done in the past. Look at the top players, give us our surprises. And sometimes looking at this, even though we talk about fantasy every week, you still get surprised by some of the guys that are near the top of these lists when it comes to fantasy. So we can start with quarterbacks and uh, seeing Larry's name all over the top. Yeah, so when you're looking at the leaders, Tom Brady right off the top, 251 points, followed by Matthew Stafford, Josh Allen, Mahomes. Even though Mahomes is, even though the Chiefs are struggling, Mahomes is still fourth quarterback overall in terms of total points, which is good, but. That's not his ceiling. He was drafted as a QB1, so people expect him to be the QB1. Um, in fifth, Lamar Jackson. Jalen Hurts in sixth. Justin Herbert seventh. Kyler eight. Larry nine. And then if you look at just total points, Cooper Cup actually tracks out to be the like 198 points for Cooper Cup. That puts him at QB10 which is kind of crazy to think about in terms of how many points he scored compared to the rest of the league. Um, Cooper Cup is right there. Next is Carson Wentz. Next is Kirk Cousins. And then Aaron Rodgers at QB 12. So those are your top 12 um, QBs. Uh, Threw in Cooper Cup there just because he's having a ridiculous season just to kind of show how many points he's actually scoring. Um, But, yeah, like you said, a lot of of Larry. He's got all three of his quarterbacks in the top ten, so – it's kind of tough. A lot of points going wasted on his bench. No wonder why he's asking to go to a two-quarterback league. He has some studs. I think that the biggest noticing on here for me is, so Pap this offseason treated the way Josh Allen 
and said he's going to go with the Hertz Rogers combination and just kind of ride with that, lose Josh Allen and pick up some picks and picked up Debo Samuel. And the difference between Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts is eight points so far this year. Yeah. It's really, it's really not much. And Debo Samuel is wide receiver four right now, so not too bad. Yeah, so Hurts is doing it completely opposite of everybody else. He has almost 500, 500 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns. So those rushing touchdowns are really keeping him afloat right there at the top versus yeah. uh, Tom Brady at number one who has 39 rushing yards, which is way more than I thought. That's actually fun. Yeah, and just looking at the differences, like the last four weeks for Brady, he's thrown 15 touchdowns. Like, he's just he's just so good. It's just unfair how good he is. Um, it's crazy. He's the oldest quarterback in the league, 44 years old, and just still doing it. So who knows how long he's going to keep it up. But, um, yeah, kind of interesting to see. Who's a, who's a quarterback on this list that you would not expect to be here in the top ten? So the guy that I just wasn't ready to be this good this fast, like Stafford's always been a good fantasy quarterback. I think his ceiling was always like seven, eight, nine. He finally got that offense to roll around, and I wasn't sure if it was going to be year one that they were going to figure it out. But wow, did him and Cooper Cup work well. He is the quarterback, too, and only nine points behind Brady. Yeah. Which is awesome. That's nuts. Um, It's kind of funny scrolling down the list, like, Dak Prescott right now, 184 points. He's QB 13 or 12 in terms of scoring. Um, He's only like less than four points behind Aaron Rodgers, but he's a player that people drafted him to be a top five quarterback. Um, And he just hasn't, hasn't done it. Dallas has kind of struggled this year. Um, He just hasn't put it together. The whole offense hasn't really been in shape. Team is still doing really well. They're going to be a playoff team, but he's not scoring like you'd expect. Yeah, I think the biggest one. So Prescott's been injured and had a bye week, so it kind of throws it off a little bit. But Tannehill last year was the guy. He was quarterback eight last year. And what happened this year? He got Julio Jones. Oh, my gosh, he's going to be everybody pick him and everything. Do everything you need to do to get him. And look at him this year. Quarterback 13. He only has 11 passing touchdowns this year. He had 33 last year in – he played 16 games last year. He only has nine games this year. Only has 11 passing touchdowns. Already has eight interceptions. He's my definite biggest disappointment and really hurts uh, Strazik week in yeah. and week out. Yeah, he's like, I think you said there, he's QB 15 on the year. So between Prescott, it goes Prescott, Bridgewater, Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, then Daniel Jones. So it's kind of crazy. Like you said, I totally agree with you because he was a player that won people a lot of leagues um, just based on his rushing. Like his rushing ability in the past has been so good. He always punches in a few touchdowns. Maybe gets like four or five carries up to 50 yards, maybe scores the end zone. And the A.J. Brown, you know, just throw him a slant across the middle and the man can take 100 yards. Like those those plays just haven't really happened. Obviously, A.J. Brown's been a little injured. Julio Jones is like a shell of his former self. He does not. Hey, 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 watch yourself. He does not look like he's getting back anywhere near his top form. So they lose Derrick Henry, which they've just completely ran their offense through. So it's kind of crazy. I agree with you. It's it's tough, tough to see because the Titans are one of those teams. Like people expected that offense to be one of the high scorers. Yeah, definitely. So that's one that's, 
been hurting. All right, let's move on to the running backs. No, no big surprises here. Well, the the guy leading it is going to be leading it for probably another week or so, and he's injured. So Derrick Henry had so many touches this year. He was already at 240 overall touches between catching and rushing the ball, which is just it's something you can't do. You can't keep up with at that age. I know he was the freak, he was the freak, he was the freak, but it finally caught up with him. Yeah, this is his first major injury. Um, really, I mean, he, so far this year, he's already at 937 yards, 10 touchdowns on the on the ground, um, 219 rushing attempts. He's catching passes, too, which is just crazy. All of last year, he only caught 19 passes. All of 2009, all of 2020, he caught 19 passes. All of 2019, he caught 18. This year, he already has... 18 receptions. So he's 27 years old. He's the biggest dude in the NFL and he's getting better. He's, he's becoming a receiving running back and he's just on pace for like 400 touches, which is unreal. And he just suffers that injury. So it's just tough. It's just not a good, not a good look for the leading RB scorer. But besides him, I mean, rounding out, going through the top 10, Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, Najee Harris, Corderell Patterson, Aaron Jones, James Conner, and Ezekiel Elliott. Those are your top 10 running backs. Um, <laughs> honorable mentions, Daryl Henderson at 11, DeAndre Swift at 12, Nick Chubb, 13, Melvin Gordon, 14, Leonard Fournette, 15. So kind of crazy, obviously, Cordero Patterson is the one guy who probably doesn't belong there, um, followed by James Conner. But if you take those two guys out, I think that's a pretty if, – if you had to draft up a top 12 running back list, those would be the guys, right, that I listed. The guy that just surprises me because week in and week out, I don't say, wow, he had a crazy week. Wow, he did anything, like, special. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is the RB3 on this year, and he has one game over 100 rushing yards. Yeah, he's, he's... Is, that, is that is that just crazy to me? Like that's that's wild that he's doing this well. He has seven rushing touchdowns, which is what puts you up at that level. But I didn't realize that he was doing that well. He also has two receiving touchdowns, which is really what boosts. Um, it just helps, just pads your stats. He also has three games this year. His last three out of four games, he's caught four to five passes and he's gone over almost fifty to sixty yards. So those are easy points that just start to add up. And when you get in the end zone twice. Um, from receiving, and you you ran in seven touchdowns rushing. That just those touchdowns are what really boost your score. So you don't have to you don't have to carry the ball more than 15, 20 times a game if you're getting receiving work. If you're running the ball and just find the end zone, so he's just making it work. Um, even by not being like the dominant workhorse back, he's only really on the field sixty to seventy percent of snaps. Um, like last three weeks, he's had 13 carries, 14 carries, 12 carries. And he's still getting it done. So, Get in that end zone. Yeah, Joe Mixon, when you said that name at number three, that was the one that surprised me the most. And then, obviously, the James Conner one surprising because he has only like 450 rushing yards, but 10 rushing touchdowns is tied with Henry. So, awesome to see from him that he's just pounding it in. What's the most rushing yards he has this year? 96 this past week before that it was only 71 so he's really just finding that end zone and we'll see what that looks like for him going forward yeah he had that 
if you look at his receiving work, he's never really been known as a receiving back. This season, his the best receiving game he had was two catches for 16 yards. This last week, five for five, 77 yards, and a touchdown. He takes like a little tiny screen pass, and he brought it like 80 yards to the house for a touchdown, which was really fun to see because it didn't look like James Conner. He looked like Dalvin Cook running the ball. Um, but, yeah, we'll see if that continues. Maybe that was just an outlier game, and he really doesn't make those plays again often. But if you look at his upcoming schedule, I mean, he faces Carolina, Seattle. He has a bye week. And then Chicago, Rams, Detroit. And there's a lot of green. There's a lot of green in that upcoming schedule. So usually green means it's a friendly matchup, um, weaker uh, weaker against the running back position. So we might see more of James Conner just – the 26-year-old wonder on his, what, second or third contract, just really just proving people wrong. So, cool. Good for him. Really good for him. Um, everyone loves a good story, and he's he's probably one of the best stories in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. So, who are you, like, scrolling down your list, who are you surprised that you're not seeing? Um, I mean, James Robinson, because he had such a big year last year, um, he's running back 17 right now. I know he's had injury and the Jaguars team has been so bad for so long, but I mean, Antonio Gibson and then Dalvin cook, where's Dalvin running back 24 right now. So I know he's had some injuries. He hasn't been as consistent as usual, but when he's played, he's done really, really well. 17 points, 16 points, 21, 8, 13. He's missed three or four games. He had a bye week. He had one really bad game against Cleveland, but people are – he's just dropping, really dropping this season. So maybe we'll see. Hopefully he can turn the ball around. I mean, he's on your squad. What do you got? Any insight? Any lucky charm? Well, legally, I'm more worried about him than I am on the football field. So he's I don't trouble. know. I don't know if you've been reading up on that. I've been reading way too much about it. I probably should not have read as much as I have. But, yeah, it's not looking – it's looking like it's going to take a while. So, this season he's going to be fine. But if I send anybody any offers for Dalvin Cook in the offseason, I would hit reject for, if I were you because it's looking like next year it's hard for him. We might uh, not see any more Dalvin Cook football. Yeah, it's but, weird. I mean – just yeah. going off of that, Adam Schefter like came out and said like early on in the day that Dalvin Cook was like the victim of abuse by a former mm-hmm. girlfriend, and then the girlfriend speaks out and she has a different story, and then there's photos and text messages, and the girl's face is like bruised from supposedly where he like hit her and she had a concussion. So Adam Schefter comes out at like 8 p.m. and says, I probably shouldn't have only told one side of the story. He apologizes on like national media, goes out and says, you know what, guys, I, I did a bad job. Like I didn't do my job as a reporter. I basically took the side of Dalvin Cook and didn't really look into the girlfriend's perspective and, and read up on what her side of the story was. So who knows? It looks like it's a he said, she said. I don't know who was abusing you, who, but uh, it's just it looks ugly. I don't know. Yeah, it's looking ugly. It's looking like – she says that she went into the house to get some of her stuff and had the mace ready just in case he was going to attack her again because he has attacked her in the past. And he said, I'm pretty much hostage um, with a gun pointed at him. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out going forward. 
Football-wise, let's see how he is in the game because hopefully he is because I'm going to need it. Or <laughs> Dalvin Cook. Um, other than that, that running just to see that for the future is DeAndre Swift. So Swift running the ball this year has been atrocious. Only has 90 rushes, 2.2 yards per carry, which in retrospect just is not good. He's a receiver. I, don't, I wouldn't even consider him a running back at this point. All of his points are coming from receiving. He has 47 catches, 400 and uh, um, 7 yards per target. So he went his it looks like that's what we should see going. Yeah, if you look at his stat line, he basically looks like a tight end that runs the ball 10 times a game. You know what I mean? Like he's getting eight, six, five catches for like 60 yards, 50 yards. He had one game at 96 yards, but he, he's only running the ball 12, 13, 14 times a game. Nothing special. Like you said, he's, he's making – he's getting his money catching the ball. Um, he was a t- highly touted receiver coming out of college, so that's kind of expected, but we just haven't seen him unlocked in terms of his rushing ability. So we'll see. We'll see moving forward what that looks like. Yeah, we'll see if he can get up to that Eckler level. Uh, fun doing a little bit of both like you've been seeing for the last couple of Wide receivers and the gap between yeah, so Cooper Cup is just, like I said, he's outscoring more than like 80% of quarterbacks right now. He's outscoring running backs by crazy. He's leading the wide receiver scoring by a lot. 198 points for Cooper Cup. He's having an absolute career year. And then the, the, the next highest is Tyreek with 151. Jamar Chase, the rookie, with 146. Debo Samuel, 140. Corderell Patterson, 134. So that the stats kind of there are a little bit swayed because is he a running back? Is he a receiver? Who knows? He's top 10 in both, so he can make his own category. He'll be number one in flex scoring um, just because he can play anywhere. Um, next, Marquise Brown, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, Mike Evans, Michael Pittman. Chris Godwin, Robert Woods, Mike Williams, DJ Moore, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb. So those are your top 17. I went through all 17 because there's so many high, like so many big names. Um, 18 is DeAndre Hopkins. So kind of crazy to see, but um, there's so many stud like wide receivers in the NFL. Um, who's your biggest? Obviously, besides the Cooper Cup, we've talked so much about Jamar Chase, the rookie. Cordero Patterson, we've talked about Marquise Brown. Who's another guy on this list? I kind of hinted at it the way I said his name. but No, I'll, I'll let you keep talking about him because if it's my choice, I'm going to be talking about Marquise Brown again for the 18th straight episode. All right, we'll, we'll skip Marquise because he's talking all the time. For me, I mean, Michael Pittman is just – he's doing – he's just quietly having an incredible season. Top 10, which no one would expect. Um, coming out of Indianapolis, because you think about the Colts, you just think about their rushing attack. Um, and – Michael Pittman is just having a great, great, great year. Last year he was had just really just subpar, one touchdown, five hundred yards, forty catches. This year he's already on he's already smashed that. He's at six hundred sixty yards, five touchdowns. He um is just he's showing that he's the number one receiver. He's on the field ninety six, ninety percent of snaps. Uh, he's getting targeted like average of like 
eight to 10 targets a game. He has games over a hundred yards. His low is 29 yards week one, but since week one, he's just, just completely propelled himself into the top 10 wideout. So really cool to see. We might be seeing like the next young star wideout kind of emerge over in Indy. Yeah. And it's cool because Carson Wentz had no repertoire with pretty much anywhere, anybody there. So he had to just walk in there and try to figure something out. And there was no wide receiver too. There hasn't been. No, everybody's their wide receiver. It was nice to see Pittman step into that one and pretty much take over that target. Like a tight end. And uh, like a, I guess T.Y. Hilton being healthy. Because when he's healthy, he's good. But he's never healthy. So it was good to see that from him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've talked about um, kind of the down year that like DeAndre Hopkins is having and the – Dallas Cowboys, like CD Lamb's wide receiver 17, Cooper's 21, not what you really expect. Um, Stephon Diggs, wide receiver 23. He's a guy that no one would think he'd be this low at this point in the season coming off of last year when he was wide receiver three, 166 targets, 58 touchdowns. Just He had the best year of his life, and he just doesn't look like he's going to come anywhere close to those numbers this year. Um which is kind of sucks because the the Bills just they looked like they were the on pace to just compete with the Chiefs for a Super Bowl, and so far this year the Bills and Chiefs they just haven't looked like themselves. So takes a big hit. Um, obviously Tyreek is still doing Tyreek things, wide receiver too. Um, but Stephon Diggs he's way at the bottom. So kind of tough to see for Shrazek. Another one I want to talk about close to home for you, but is. Deontay Johnson for me. I was ready for him to take his big step this year um, into a top 10 receiver role. I know he did miss one game this season, but he hasn't put in the big like boom weeks. So, like, yeah, he's put up a 15, a 19, but he's without Juju. I was just expecting him to get the bulk of the touches. And I think Najee Harris is really hurting the receivers there because he's getting so many targets out of the backfield. Deontay Johnson last week, in a primetime game, goes for just lackluster. See this low, hanging out with the Digs, the Keenan Allen, and behind somebody like Christian Kirk. Yeah, I mean, one thing to note: he missed Week Three with an injury, so he and he had a bye week, so he's basically only played in seven weeks out of the nine that NFL season. Um, so you got to take that into into account. He's only scored three touchdowns, so a lot of these. Players like we talked about, touchdowns are key. He's only gone the end zone three times. Um, in terms of his like production, I think a lot of that has to do with the 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 quarterback play. If you look uh. at who he's throwing the ball, I mean, it's serious. It's, I'm serious. His target accuracy is 42nd in the NFL. He's only getting um, he's at a 72 percent catchable target rate which is 71st in the NFL. So you really have to take this into, into account. Um, if you look at his actual scoring, he scored. He's so safe on a week-to-week basis, 12, 15, 20, 14, 14, 13, 9. Like, that's a safe wide receiver, and that's going to put up wide receiver two, wide receiver one numbers every single week. Um, but, you know, like his Q, QB rating when he's targeted is, is 62nd in the NFL. 
Um, I, I, I could I could keep reading these these numbers <laughs> off the player pro the player the player profile or stats that just give you numbers. Like when you look at a player like Keontae Johnson, who has he's tied most in the NFL since 2020 with like eight catches of more than 40 yards. So when Big Ben can get the ball deep and he's making a big play, he's the best at it in the NFL with the big play rate. Um, it just doesn't look like those those plays are coming often. He's just the, the the Steelers' offense has just completely changed what they used to be with the days of Juju and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. It's basically just like feed feed the guy in the backfield, give him 20 carries, 10 recept, 10 targets on the backfield. Deontay's getting peppered all over the field, but some of those targets are just not good. Not good. True. Yeah, he's another one of those guys. I think you could put my guy DJ Moore in that same. Had a lot of targets. He three catches. Um, I was just targets just to see who is at the top of the league and he's third in the league in targets and just not doing it him and mike williams are two guys that came off really strong at the beginning they're gonna be world burners and now they're just uh the opposite is robert woods who at the beginning of the year yeah even worse than uh deontay johnson's catchable target rate dj moore uh 83rd in the NFL is DJ Moore's catchable target rate. So when he's getting targeted, only 70% of those balls are even like in his vicinity that he can actually catch, which is sounds pretty good. Sounds like a good number, but you want that number to be like 90, 95%. When you're open, you're getting the ball. You want it to be a ball that you can catch. And unfortunately, Big Ben and Sam Darnold are just not helping out their alpha receivers right now. Let's go PJ Walker because no more Sam Darnold. That's what I'm looking for. Ooh, we'll see. I mean, same, I think six week, something like that. It's it's funny when we first talked when we first talked about the early season scores. Sam Darnold was like QB five because he was just doing so well. He was running the ball well, and then ever since we talked about him, he just dropped off hard. It was rushing touchdowns. If you look at his stats to start off the year, his rushing numbers were nowhere near they've where they've ever been before, and that's because there was no. Christian McCaffrey, so he was improvising a little bit more than he u- normally does, and that's what you're going to You know, he's back yeah. down. Crazy. Crazy. Some more fun. Really, really disappointing. And another cool. one, Chase Clark. He's been up. You got Calvin Ridley. Now he's on the pup, so we're not sure where he's going to be, but this the beginning of this season was struggling for him. My guy, Allen Robinson, LaVisca Chenault. Oh, some of these names. I know he's starting to pick it up, so good for Jabers, but there's a room that I'm definitely disappointing this year. Hey, Julio Jones, wide receiver 72. Crazy. Yeah. All right, let's get into some uh, tight. <laughs> Enough said. I can talk. All right. Tight end, my favorite position. Um, reading, going down the list of the top ten, Travis Kelsey easily number one, 118 points. Mark Andrews, 99. Mike Gasecki, 89. T.J. Hawkinson's 83. Darren Waller, 79. Dalton Schultz, 79. Kyle Pitts, 79. If you round up a little bit, Hunter Henry, C.J. Uzoma, Dawson Knox, 
Noah Fant. Um, what's always interesting about tight ends is like you have the premier scores at the position, and then everyone else is like scoring between fifty and sixty points, and they don't really matter. Um, kind of perspective: Robert Tunyon is tight end twenty six, and he's average. He's scored forty one points per game, and Malawi Cox fifty one points total, and he's only tight end. 19. So there's eight tight ends between them and only 10 points. So it's all pretty mediocre scores at the tight end position when you're not looking at the top seven guys this year. So kind of people you'd expect at the top, Kelsey Andrews, but Gasecki, big one, number three. He's making some fantastic plays. Did you see his catches this past week? And that's with Brissett throwing him the ball too. Did you see those? He made two one-handed catches that was, like, phenomenal. Just absolutely phenomenal. If you haven't seen them, I'm going to find you the clip on Twitter and tweet them at you right now. You have to watch them. Just, All right, I, I will do that right now. Just, he's a freak athlete. Just unreal pass-catching ability. He looks like he's he's just evolving into a really great tight end. He's 26 years old, so he's kind of at that peak um, where you expect to kind of – take off um and he's doing it which is awesome so he's one of those guys after week one people were scared that his nfl career was over so week one he only played 40 percent of snaps barely got on the field barely did anything and then ever since then he has gone off it's been awesome awesome for him even better for pap just getting a diamond in the rough and somebody like mike gusecki yeah and unlike andrew so andrews if you look at his stats he popped off once for 36, and everything else has just been meh. Like, nothing really special. Gusecki's been consistent. He's been putting up those 10 points, the 10, 15, 18, 8, 7. Like, just, like, those good numbers that you want to see. So, love to see this from Mike Gusecki. He's one of those guys who came out of college, and like I talk about all the time, he's a player profiler, just a freak athlete. He's one of those guys that couldn't figure out the playbook. He couldn't figure out how to play actual football, and that was what was holding them back. And now it looks like they're just starting to say, hey, you're a wide receiver. We're not even going to put you in line. He's playing a lot out of the slot and out wide and not really having to put his hand in the dirt too much, which is working good for him and working good for the Dolphins. For sure. Um, Kyle Pitts, tight end number seven, which is awesome. Hunter Henry. He's kind of emerged as the tight end of choice over in New England. John Smith is nowhere near the top 20. Um, kind of interesting seeing how the Patriots went out and spent both pretty heavily, and people kind of thought they would kind of lead both of both of kind of both of them in, in receptions, touchdowns. But looks like Hunter Henry is just fully emerging as the guy. Um, Noah Fant, tight end 11, Goddard, tight end 12, kind of not what you expect. You kind of want those guys to be a little bit higher from what people value them as in Dynasty. But besides that, I mean, who, who's another big uh, – who's a guy that you expect to be higher that isn't? So I was thinking once Stafford went over to the Rams that Higby was going to take that next big step because I thought the ball was going to be spread around a little more than it was. I didn't realize it was just going to be the Cooper Cup show there. But Higby's one of those guys I was expecting. I picked him up late in some drafts as my late tight end one, and he's he's just not doing anything. He has two touchdowns on the year. He's never got more than – I think he has one game 68 yards. Next best is 51, and then it goes down from there. He's just never really put it together for a guy that I thought was going to uh, gonna really do something this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, just going off of 
points per game. Rob Gronkowski is still tight end two. He's averaging 13 points per game, and he's only played in three games. So, like, that's crazy. Think about it. He's averaging 13 points a game because he scored 25 in week one, 18 in week two, eight in week three. Um, and then he gets hurt, and we never saw him again. So, I'd be interesting to see if he never got hurt, what the Buccaneers' offense would look like. Would he be able to keep up that pace? Probably not as a 32-year-old tight end coming out of retirement, injury history, but just a fun stat. Um, if the season ended today, he'd be number two in the NFL and points per game as a tight end and he only, only played a third of the season. So, and Then another guy, you have to scroll down pretty far to find him. He's tight end like 50. Adam Troutman was one of those guys that if you read Dynasty Twitter, if you read any of that stuff, in the offseason, he was the guy. He was the guy, go out and get him, send a second-round pick, go get him. He's going to be the guy in New Orleans because he showed a little bit of spark last year. He's just – he's pretty useless. Yeah, another guy, too, that people were people were really hyping up was Blake Jarwin really early on when he kind of broke out, that people were like, oh, the Cowboys finally have their, finally have their tight end. Then first game of the season last year, he tears his ACL – comes back healthy and immediately gets placed on the IR again while Dalton Schultz has just quietly become tight end six and he just looks like such a safe tight end for Dak. Um, He has a high of 23 points this year, low of two points. So kind of what you expect from the tight end position, but he just looks like he's the guy. And I don't think Dalton Schultz is, I mean, I don't think uh, Blake Jarwin is going to get his um, job back. So kind of cool to see because Dalton Schultz was not a guy that people were expecting do anything and Blake Jarwin had this great like college profile people were really excited about his athleticism and just injury happens and then you just you get your job taken it just kind of sucks and that was an awesome pickup for pick he picked him up for $30 Pap dropped him on Pap picked him up September 21st last year dropped him September 27th this year and pick picked him up the next day for $30 so yeah held him on for an entire year but Pap had those other tight ends. He didn't need a third one or a fourth one at that point and uh, ends up dropping Schultz. So good pickup for Pick, who now gets to roll out Schultz and Hawkinson. Pap gets to roll out Gasecki and Pitts. You get to roll out Kelsey and Waller. There's a lot of people with a lot of good tight ends here. Yeah, it looks like the league is kind of shaping up that way too, huh? Kind of cool. And even going down further, um, Pap has Knox. I have CJ Uzoma. So tight ends 9 and 10. Kind of, you know, they're there because they scored some touchdowns. Dawson Knox went on a run of like four straight games with five touchdowns. CJ Ozoma has some pretty big blow up weeks um, 24 points, 23 points coming off of just huge monster weeks. But um, kind of cool to see. I think one thing to note Darren Waller, tight end five. Um, it kind of came out after two dud weeks that he had an ankle injury, ends up missing time against the Eagles. So it kind of came out that he was working through an injury. So he gets a bye week, he misses a week for the injury, and immediately comes back and posts tight end one numbers, uh, 11 targets, seven receptions for 92 yards. I think Henry Ruggs, his career being so over, makes a great pathway for Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro to really just just keep on doing what they've been doing. And Henry Ruggs, just what an idiot. But his, his career is toast. Brian Edwards is going to have a good week, right, too? 
Oh, no, no, no. He, he posted a zero for zero, and I started him in a couple leagues. Is that what happened? Is, yeah. that, is that what we're talking about? I think if we if we want to talk about the, the Twitter dynasty <laughs> darlings, like, we need to just rest in peace to Brian Edwards, Denzel Mims. These guys just – it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Oh, so all the guys I love, thanks. I know. I'm sorry. All right. Let's talk about week 10 and wrap this up. So week 10, we have some really, really high-end matchups this week that are going to be huge for the playoffs. So – my dynasty one team and my dynasty two team are Larry and Pick, and they get to go up against each other. Both projected one's one nineteen, one's one fourteen, and Pick has a lot of guys on by this week, so it's going to hurt him. He is going to be starting the double tight end in Hawkinson and Schultz. He doesn't even have another flex player in right now, but this is looking to be a really, really good matchup with Cup and Adams versus Metcalf and Jefferson. For sure, and I think. I think this is just going to be fun. I think Hunter Renfro is just so safe. I think Cole Beasley is just a surefire play right now. It's going to be interesting, though, with those, with the running backs, um, James Conner and Zeke Elliott. I think they might have the push over Harris and, and Melvin Gordon. So you got two workhorse backs that catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. Going up against Gordon, who's kind of in a timeshare, and Harris is just looking like the guy. So it's going to be fun to see how those scores go down. Yeah, that's definitely my – Number one matchup. My number two matchup is you against Harris. So this is one that if you put him down to three and seven, I think his season's done and you're going to see a full-on fire sale and him looking to try to get every pick that's out there. Um, this matchup's – you're projected 113. He's projected 118. What do you think? I'm, proje- I, I'm Every week I'm projected over 130 points, <laughs> and I never feel good about it. Um, Russell Wilson, though, he was a full participant in practice on Wednesday. So, supposedly, Pete Carroll said, quote, you wouldn't even know he had finger surgery. So, obviously, a little bit of coach speak. They're going to get him back into the lineup. Um, Going up against Green Bay, it's going to be tough for me because Kirk Cousins has been so safe his last four weeks, 25, 15, 34 points. Um, It's going to be interesting. I have some interesting six-star decisions like usual, but I got to go with – I got to – I got to dance with the girl that I brought. So I think I got to put Russell Wilson back in. It's going to be interesting to see. It's going to, uh, I need, I need to win. I I'll say to you'll win. be talking to yourself in and out of that for the next one. Uh, hopefully it's not a late game. What, what time does that game start? That game is four twenty-five. All right. So yeah, you'll be talking to yourself into, in and out of that all the way up until four Oh five when the uh, Vikings game starts. Yeah. We'll see. When you, when you look at Harris's team, he's running out two running backs that are, very unproven. So Damian Harris is injured right now. He has only seen over 50% of snaps three times this year. He has scored a touchdown in the last five games, so that's what's keeping him afloat um, in fantasy circles, but hasn't been looking great. And then Michael Carter, who posted a huge game two weeks ago, then last week came back down to earth. So he's starting both of them over Antonio Gibson as of right now. Yeah, also Chris Godwin missed practice with a foot injury, so definitely something to note. Yeah, he that's looking a little bit scary. That's it brushed under the radar a little bit today, but it's looking like he could miss time this week. Yeah. All right, next. Um, if you, it's kind of funny looking at Pap versus Colin. Pap's projected 109. Colin's projected 106. Kind of interesting because not what the the 2-7 and seven team versus the 6-3 and three team, not what you'd expect – um, I just think there's some uncertainty with Pap's team right now with with the with Mike Williams and just the way things have been going with that. Um, 
Debo Samuel, he looks surefire lock and play. We'll see if Ayuk starts to take over some of that work, but he's going right back to Patterson, James Robinson, the guys that he traded for this season to kind of go for that push. Um, he trades for John- Dearness Johnson, doesn't have him in the lineup. So we'll see what happens. I think Collins' team, it's really going to rely. If, he, if he's going to win, it's going to come down to Robert Woods, A.J. Brown, his boys, Judy having big games, and Patrick Mahomes just getting back to his Patrick Mahomes self. So if there's going to be an upset, I think this could be the week where Colin upsets Pap. Yeah, it's really going to be that Mahomes. That's what that's what we're going to be looking at all week. It's going to come down to – what is he? He's the second-to-last player to play. So Sunday night football, you got Mahomes. Then Monday night, you got Woods versus Samuel. So that Sunday night game is going to just see if Mahomes can throw it all around on the Raiders. It's going to be a dome, so – you can see what Mahomes can put up. Yeah, we'll see. All right, let's go. Let's go. Strazik and Jabers. I mean, Strazik should he should take care of this matchup pretty easy. Um, it's going to come down to Kamara. Kamara, if he doesn't play, that's going to be interesting. I think Strazik can still win, even if he puts in um, Mike Davis in the lineup. But um, unless unless Jabers has another miracle week. Yeah, this should be just uh, locked and loaded. So Strazik was one of those teams that was kind of struggling to start off the year too, and people were writing him off. Like, yeah, we don't know um, where he should be, like standing-wise and everything like that. He was one of those guys that should he be selling, should he be buying. He's a number two seed right now. If the playoffs ended right now, he would be on a buy. If he wins this week, that's going to pretty much sure up. Well, not sure it up, but get another step closer to a buy. So – He's one of those guys people are put, pushing away, pushing away, and is somebody to kind of start being scared of if he, if he gets healthy. For sure. All right, last matchup, you versus Bulls. What do you got? Um, I'm worried about my running back. So if this Dalvin Cook news comes out, I might be out on him and out on Chubb because Ch- as of right now, Nick Chubb is out with COVID. It's to be determined, so he's going to have to have two negative tests because he is vaccinated. So if he has a negative test Friday, Saturday, he could play Sunday, but we'll we'll know Friday afternoon if he'll be able to play. Because um, that did happen to somebody last week, and they were able to play. So we'll see what um, that's looking like for him. If Nick Chubb's able to play, I'd say that I do win this matchup. If he's not, I'm not quite sure who I'm going to be putting in there. I know. And Kyler Murray also missed practice, and he practiced a little bit today with the ankle injury. Um, you got Julio in the lineup. You got – Williams in the lineup. Maybe CEH comes back. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. This Lots is also, of question marks. Yeah, this is also looking like a potential a potential scary week for you. So if, if Bulls is going to win, I think it's really going to come down to a huge week from Stafford. Eliza Mitchell needs to have a great game. Um, right now he's got Ty Johnson in the second running back spot. He's kind of popped off a little bit here and there, but it's going to come down to – to his guys, you just got to get touchdowns. Sanders, Patrick, he needs to have a good week, a lucky week, where a few guys fall into the end zone, a few of your guys get stuffed at the one-yard line, and maybe he squeaks it out. I don't know. It's going to be tough for him. I think you're going to get the victory just because you have some depth, more depth than he does. You have guys you can fill in, but it's going to be a nail-biter. I really hope that Antonio Brown uh, gets – I know he got rid of the walking boot today, but I'm hoping that he can really shed that and we can get him going this week because he would be really nice at- – with uh, no Godwin. We will see. All right, let's get into power rankings and get out of here. 
Oh boy, power rankings. Yeah, we have to. We have to give the people what they want. We have to give power rankings. Just so Larry only Larry skips the last two minutes of this, listens to power rankings, and goes to bed. This is what he likes to do every time. Want to go one to ten, or want to go ten to one? Oh, we have to go ten to one. Right, have to I, a little bit of suspense. Do you want to switch it up a little bit? Who do you got right. at the bottom? I got Laboulier. So with his injuries, now that he just lost Ridley with not even an injury, so Ridley has some mental health. Um, issues going on, so he's taking care of himself, which is awesome. Chase Edmonds is now out. He's having trouble starting a real lineup at this point, so I have him at number 10. Yeah, I agree with you on that. No, no um, fault of his own. He's building a good lineup. He made a good trade getting rid of Connor, getting more picks. He's building his team correctly, but if you're just looking at what the teams are looking like right now, he has to be number 10. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Next, um, I'm going to go I'm going to Go Jabers just in terms of points for. I mean, 740, Collins 815. Jabers' team, he had the lucky win over Harris, but I mean, I think it's pretty decided. It's it's Bulls, it's Jabers, it's Colin in the bottom three. That's exactly how I had it. I just think that Colin has those two players that people don't have. He has AJ Brown and Mahomes, who are the quarterback one and the wide receiver top five for Dynasty, which is always nice to have. Next, I mean, it, it sucks putting him here. He's third in the league with points four. He's <laughs> he's he's third. He's second in the league with max points four. Just showing you how good his bench is. But with a three and six record, we can't put you any higher, Harris. I'm sorry. <laughs> it sucks. We I, I, it breaks my heart. But <sighs> so what? Oh yeah, he's he's third in points four. He's number one in points against. He has. 1,088 points against, for reference. Larry only has 855. <laughs> so, difference of 200 points, which is two two matches. We're only averaging about 100 points apiece right now per team, so he is averaging about 200 points less, or PAP, if, to put it into different perspective. So, yeah. crazy. Go to the – Harris, if you want to make yourself feel better, go to the Fantasy Football Hub. Look at schedules. Realize that if other people had their schedule, they'd be even worse off than you. Yeah, it's the key to winning fantasy football is just to be lucky and have teams score the least amount of points against you. Look at the top three. Larry, Strazik, Pap, all under 900 points. And you have um, just call, uh, pick. Teams have scored 1,012 points. Me, 1,040 points. Harris, 1,088 points. So few of those games get swapped, and this is looking like a whole different league. All right. So I agree with you at seven. Then I have myself at six because a team that came in the league with a lot of depth just doesn't have the depth anymore. I don't know where it all went. Yeah. I, I, was, I was thinking that, oh, I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I have DJ Chark, I have Michael Thomas, I have Miles Sanders. I have all these guys. I don't, I don't need to keep buying players, and uh, I'm down to no depth left. So – I'm gonna put myself at number six. <laughs> I think I think that's a fair spot. You've had some really unlucky things happen, um, and just careers have ended shorter than you than you were banking on. Michael Thomas, especially. Hey, that Michael Thomas one. I was told he was gonna be back week. What was it? Three, week six. Week four. Who knows? It was it was week six. He was supposed to be back. Um, we play in that vampire league. A lot of us together. I drafted him in that league. I'm down to having zero players on my bench in that league. So. It's a, it's a lot of fun over here in uh, Sleeperland. All right. Who do you got at five? 
So this is just because the last couple of weeks they've been struggling. Um, I'm putting bringing Pat back down to earth. I just don't think – I don't know why you trade for Dearance Johnson if you really ha- aren't going to play him this week. This is the only week you would play him. He's not going to play him. He's not going to be projected more than any of the guys in his lineup. I'm just – I don't know. I'm kind of confused what he's doing right now. I understand going to get a guy for one week, but – got to play him. So, Pap's team's coming back down to earth. Mike Williams came back down to earth. Debo's coming back down to earth. He's uh, he's coming back down to what we all expected it to be. I agree. He's had the second least points allowed, and he's bottom four in points scored. So, that's just a recipe to be um, a little bit overexcited for your team. I mean, he's only scored 928 points. That puts him at seventh. Not good. He's getting – it's embarrassing when you look at the, the total points scored above him, but – Six and three record, it, it, it looks nice, but one or two games get swapped, and me, you pick. We have that record. We're looking at six, six. Uh, we're looking at second, third place, and Pap's looking at seven. So, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, there can be a lot of flops happening right now with the points for and with uh, team standing. So it's going to be interesting to see rolling out. Right now, we have a six, a good bunch of six, but seeing where it all ends up and seeing if Harris can hop into it, it's going to be interesting to see. For sure. Next, um, who do you have between myself and Pick? I think in terms of depth-wise, I might have more depth than Pick at the position, able to fill in flex positions, running backs. Pick has some stud wideouts. So, I, I, I don't know. It's a toss-up here. What do you got? I had Trasic. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, I think his team's on the up-and-up right now. I mean, His team's on the up-and-up, and this is the highest he's been in my power rankings. Um, we missed last week. He still doesn't have a bench. But, yeah, I have him at, I think, number – what is this, number four now for him? I think that's – Wow. I, I think mean, that I think that's pretty high for him. I think that way, he doesn't have the bench. I think that if Kamara gets banged up, he just still doesn't have a quarterback and he doesn't have a second flex. So, without a quarterback and a second flex, I'm still a little bit worried about what he's going to do going down the stretch. I want to see yeah. if he's actually going to make a move or he's going to keep sitting still. Having – Every pick the next three years is just weird to see. It looks like he's just an inactive owner. Yeah, I mean, he's 6-3, and three, and this is the week he's finally getting Christian McCaffrey back and George Kittle and Keenan Allen is finally looking like he's back to his normal self. So that's why I'm, I was saying, like, it's looking like the team's on up and up because he's he's finally got somewhat healthy. I mean, quarterback fill-in, Carson Wentz is doing actually very well. He's top 10. He's I think we t- mentioned him at number 9. Um, so he might be the guy just to keep rolling with. The Camara injury is obviously going to help, but you look at his starting lineup and compare it to myself and Chris's, and you give I don't know, it looks a little bit better than mine and Chris's. So I think he's projected 128. You're projected 131. Chris is projected 114 without a player, and so it's all pretty much the same to me. It is. It is. I know he's six and three. We're five and four. So. We shall see. So you got, you got, if you have Strazik here, who do you got next? I had yourself at three, and I still love Chris's team at two. All right. So I have Chris's team. So people, you just mentioned he doesn't have the depth. Montgomery's back officially. Barkley's going to be back next week. So there's the running back depth that he's looking for. And then wide receivers, losing rugs is going to hurt, obviously, but he still has Chase. And then another depth piece, he has Chris Carson. So, his depth is going to start getting healthy at the right time, and I think that just combats Chris's team really, really well to put him – or no, combats his straight team really well to put him ahead of him. And then you and him have very similar teams in my mind. Um, it's a toss-up. I just think that he has a little bit more depth than you do because your depth 
just didn't isn't doing what it's supposed to be. Like Chenault, Galladay, Boyd, all supposed to be top players, and just uh, not quite putting it together. Yeah, I, I totally real didn't realize that Barkley was um, he was practicing kind of off to the side, so he'll be back on track sooner than later, which is good for his team. I totally overlooked that. So yeah. obviously, when you're getting Saquon Barkley back in time for playoffs, is awesome. And yeah, I mean, I didn't expect players like. Fournette Henderson to be the guys that I'm choosing between on a week to week basis. Um, when I was kind of building around those other guys, like you mentioned, so it's kind of funny to see how it works out. I mean, it, it's 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 good and bad when you have to make these decisions every single week when you're looking at other people's rosters and they don't have a decision to make because they don't have anybody else to put in. So it's kind of the good and bad. Um, yeah, number one, I think we both agree it's. It's Mr. Alex Larimore, eight and one. The record does not lie, even though we can only say so much about about the uh, how many points teams have scored against him. The man has taken care of business. He's eight and one. He has overcome injuries. He's overcome a lot of stuff, and he's just he's cruising. He's feeling pretty hot right now. It doesn't matter if you have the least points against, if you have the most points for. That's just a re- recipe to just show off every single week. So. He, he's leading them both, which is interesting to see. I'm trying to see. You know the, who the one team he lost to was? Who? Laboulier. No. Laboulier has two wins. I just had to go back. So week four, Laboulier was able to take down Lyremore. Brady only put up 11 points. Logan Thomas put up zero. Cole Beasley put up two. Just had a, a rough week, and Laboulier's team uh, took him down. So we'll see between my one and my two seed this week between Lyremore and Pick to see who can take over there. You know what I, you know what I thought of that we didn't bring up anytime. Mr. Chuba my Hubbard has had Chuba Hubbard on the taxi squad this whole time. You'd think he'd elevate him to the roster to fill in a flex spot while McCaffrey has missed the last six weeks. So, I don't yeah, know. He, that's he, that's just me. So yes, we talk about his bench all the time and having a lack of bench and having Chuba Hubbard on the bench doesn't really make sense. Um because he definitely has guys he can cut. So it's something it's something when we talked about people's taxi scouts, we did talk about it, but he Larry's one of those people that he, he likes apparently he really likes this. But you're telling me that he needed he needs Tyler Croft on his uh bench and he wouldn't rather have Chubba Hubbard on there for the uh, last couple of weeks. But hey, guess what? He won every single week, so it doesn't really matter, does it? That's right, yeah. Who are we who are we to judge? Yeah, you can't be judging his team, you know that. That's his team. That's not your team. He is better than you. Let's go. All right. On, on so to the next I, one. I will see a lot of you in New Hampshire in the next couple of days. Um, trading is going to be allowed. I was asked if there's going to be a hi- hiatus for trading. But, yeah, like, trading is going to be allowed. Just uh, don't get pap on too many beers and make sure you don't get into the corner with Abers is all i got to say. All right, gentlemen. All right. One last thing to say. People keep asking when the trade deadline is. So the trade deadline is going to be the Wednesday before week 14 starts. So week 14 is the last week we have before the regular season. Our trade deadline used to be the Wednesday before week 13. Now it's just got moved back one week just to let everybody know because I got a couple texts today. Um, and we're going to see if we can move that up next year because I think it's real late personally. But, yeah, we can talk about that at the Fun Summit where uh, everybody gets mad at each other. So I love it. All right. All right. I will see you soon. Have a good night. See, see you. Ya.